Hi, I want to welcome you back to my podcast, where we will examine the gospel through the lens of psychology and spirituality. If this is the first time you are listening to my podcast, I urge you to go listen to my first podcast, where I explain how I read and understand the scriptures and the perspective I will be taking on scripture in this podcast. Today, I'd like to share my thoughts on the gospel. The gospel, Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 to 14, is the parable of a king inviting people to his son's wedding. The story serves as a metaphor for what heaven is like. This gospel is often misunderstood. The message is quite radical. We have a king whose invited guests refuse to come. It's abundantly clear the king's invitation is not a priority in their lives. Everything else is important. I'm sure the listeners hearing the story for the first time thought the king would punish the people. The king's response, however, is surprising. He instructs his servants to go out and invite anyone they can find. So much so that his servants almost bully the people to come. This parable is presented to us as a metaphor about heaven. But actually, the story says more about who God is. This king, God, shamelessly shamelessly pursues his guests. The guests are sought after. All they have to do is say yes. Not a bad deal. What is surprising is the original guest's response. They are not interested, and in some cases, disrespectful, and dismiss the invitation. Story. But the story is a reflection on life. I wonder why people do not respond to God's invitation. I wonder if it's a lack of faith, or they have trouble trusting God, or does the busyness of daily life overshadow God's spirit? What is noteworthy in in this gospel is the king actively seeks out the guests for the wedding, and he does not give up. This theme of God actively seeking his people is very common in scripture. The story of the prodigal son is another example. We have the father running to his son, a rare event in just about every culture. I wonder if the people are uncomfortable with a God who wants to be so intimate with his people. Is it safer to have a God up there in the heavens where they are not impacting their life rather than have a God right beside you. This story and many other stories in scripture challenges the notion that one has to do everything right to earn God's forgiveness and a place in heaven. The idea that salvation is earned is not supported in the scriptures like I mentioned. It truly is the good news that our salvation is freely given. The parable points out that whether the guests were good or bad, it didn't matter. It's revolutionary when you think about it. The more common view is that we have to get it right and must be perfect to win heaven. So where did this false belief come from? People have not experienced unconditional love or forgiveness in their lives. They are living results of the broken world we live in. They are suspicious when they hear about God's unconditional love and may believe that God is naive, and will be taken advantage of. Most people don't experience God's love or believe that God loves them. Their beliefs lead to expectations that they don't expect God to love them, so they are not looking for signs of God's love. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because they are not expecting God to love them when they fail, they don't look for the signs that God has forgiven them and has not stopped loving them. They have the belief that one should only get what they deserve. 
We project our own experiences onto each other. Christians are no different. I've heard too many times the need to earn a place in heaven. I suspect we'll be very surprised to see who made it to heaven. I've heard people tell me they don't feel God's love, or they're more likely to see God as an old man judging the people for any wrongdoing, making rules that seem like burdens. I will have a podcast on this very soon. This distant God becomes irrelevant and certainly doesn't demand anything from the people but obedience. I want to pause here and hope you notice that the people's belief about God's desire to be with his people is limited by the people's expectation of God. I've often asked people who are seeking a deeper relationship with God, what does God have to do to get your attention? I'm not trying to be flippant here, but I'd rather have the people reflect on how they recognize and may even limit God's Spirit in their lives. For example, I will hear people complain that they feel they are in a desert and God seems so far away. People tell me that they feel comforted when they know that God is present, that warm feeling. So I ask them, do they only recognize God is present when they are feeling at peace? Can God also be present in the turmoil of one's life? Sometimes we have difficulty believing in God's love when something bad is happening in our lives. These feelings and thoughts are understandable under the circumstances. Can we dare to believe that God is present and willing to guide and support us through the valley of darkness? People seem more comfortable with justice than mercy. I'm thinking of the landowner who paid his employees the same wage, regardless of whether they worked one hour or the whole day. This story is from Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 16. Church laws and even the Ten Commandments focus on behaviors rather than on conversion. If you do what is right, you'll be saved. Yet this is not what the New Testament is all about. The last part of the parable is difficult to understand. And I've come to realize the last part is a teaching all of its own. On the one hand, the king seems to be the, inviting anyone with a warm body and then throws out a guest because he's not appropriately dressed. What are we missing here? It seems like an about face where the king says many are invited, but few are chosen. What is the point here? It is noteworthy that the man remains silent. It reminds me of the trial of Jesus, where Jesus remains silent in the midst of the many questions. We assume that the king is doing all the choosing here. He has chosen to invite the people. Let us take a step back for a moment. What if the guest is also one who's doing some choosing, with any number of reasons why he's there? I know this is only a story, but I wonder if his reasons for attending. It seems what is lacking is a desire to be there. He's there, but he's not celebrating or participating. As a psychologist, I know that our actions usually, if not always, are motivated by multiple reasons. Some may be honorable, but others may be self-serving and everything in between. This addition to the gospel may be a critical part after all. Not just an addition, but a challenge to look fearlessly and with compassion at our own reasons for being a follower of Christ. At one end, there are those who are seeking a personal relationship with Christ. On the other end of the scale are those paying into what I call a divine insurance plan. I've heard people tell me they go to church, put money in the collection box, live a good moral life, and they believe that they are good Christians and will therefore go to heaven. They have won their salvation. Well, I certainly believe that they have been saved and will make their way to heaven. But there's so much more. I often ask followers if their lives are different because they are Christian. 
I'm sure you've heard the question, if Christianity became illegal today, would there be enough evidence that your, that your neighbors would have to convict you? There are many ways I could ask the question, but I ask people, where is their faith? How is life different because we are seeking a relationship with God? Here are people talking about Christian values. I have to say that many of our so-called Christian values are shared by many Christians and non-Christian groups, in many cases by people who are not religious at all. What then makes us Christian followers of Jesus Christ? I recognize that these are not simple questions, but I urge you to allow the scriptures to guide you. For example, today's gospel invites us to see God as one who is actively seeking us, and we just need to be open to the promptings of a spirit around us. That may mean dismantling our view that we have to earn God's love. The second point is to be honest with ourselves and recognize the multiple reasons behind our actions. Let this realization soften our judgment of the shortcomings of others, and with gentleness, let us seek to purify our own view.